Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. You guys look great this morning. Amen. One, one person's listening. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful day. I, I hope that you guys had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. Um, for, for some of us, I know the, the holidays are still uh, busy. We've got family in town. Our family's still coming in town. Our some of you are praying that family will leave town. It's just, it's all in there somewhere. But <clears throat> uh, there really is something called post-Christmas or post-holiday blues. Maybe you've heard of it. But here's, in my opinion, and there's so many triggers to this, I know, but a lot of it is, you know how anytime there's a huge activity and you're building up to it, and there's just lots of energy going into that activity, whatever it may be, it may be a a special program, it may be a special service, it may be that, that wonderful time that your wife asks you to pull everything out of the attic, and, and you spend a few days setting everything up, and even you're telling yourself, I've got to put this back, um, and, and you're already fearing that, right? You're already sort of dreading that, um, and it's, it's just easy, it's not that we're becoming the Scrooge. It's that it's, it's easy to start looking at all the activities as the reason. Now, we hear this all the time, that, that he is the reason for the season. But I really do want to tell you that a lot of the times that we go through those downtimes is because we've just put so much emphasis on things, and we've missed the reason. Um, we, get, we get to a point where we can't wait till the decorations are down because we're just tired. And we need to rest. You take care of yourself. But I, I want to just talk for a few moments um, as we continue to celebrate this next week and go into the new year. That hope is here. You know, we've, we've been in this series on Advent, his, his coming, awaiting his coming. Well, we've always celebrated that leading up to Christmas because it was that period leading up prophetically to Christmas but we know that we are waiting. The advent we are in is for his return. As we sang this morning, he is the king. It is his kingdom. As Pastor Anthony mentioned a moment ago at the beginning of the service, um, Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom has come. When we pray a prayer, we know it as the Lord's Prayer, but it is the prayer that he teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it's a very present reality. It's a very real reality that we're living out right now. But the challenge is, how do you live that out right now 
And why do I always feel so worn out? Why do I feel so um, strained and fatigued and weary? Now, please understand, when you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're going to be on vitamin B the rest of your life, right? Is, is that an energy vitamin, by the way? I don't know if I, that's the correct vitamin or not. I just take a lot of them. That's all I know. I just, right? and, and, ca- and caffeine, right? So <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you're living off of five cups of coffee every 30 minutes. It, it, there are going to be down times. That's why he says there's got to be a Sabbath, right? Take care of yourself. But, but I believe that this period that we're walking through right now as we enter into the new year, there's a reason why everybody has New Year's resolutions. Because after this big hype and we're going into a new year, we think, man, a lot of things need to change. A lot of stuff needs to change in my life. A lot of things, man, I need direction. I, I, I want to feel better about my future. I want to, now this is not your New Year's Eve sermon or New Year's Day sermon. It's just, I just want to feel better about myself. I want to, be, I want to feel better about my family. I want to be moving in a good direction. I, I'm telling you, those kind of resolutions are not bad, but they're e- a lot easier if you back up a little bit and instead of getting stressed out about Christmas, you realize that hope is here. And some of the changes in your life, you, you know why, <clears throat> maybe this will be the New Year's message, I don't know. You know why sometimes we make all these resolutions and we just make it about four days? Because we're making the resolutions out of our fear and out of our anxiousness and out of our desires and out of our abilities. And most times when you're making those kind of decisions, you over uh, you, you over stress yourselves and you say, I'm going to. I'm going to be the greatest I've ever been in two weeks. Well, it took a long time to get you as messed up as you are. It may take a few months for God to do some stuff in you first, right? So uh, what I'm saying is, as we're just contemplating some things, now why am I even bringing this up this morning? Well, before we get to the passage here in John chapter 1, it's important to understand um, for you, a lot, of, uh, a lot of you, Christmas may not be completely over, meaning a lot of family visiting. The last couple of days, uh, most of our family has left town. Our daughter and son and children have not come to town yet. So Dinah and I, the last two days, don't feel sorry for us, but the last two days have just been like, I'm pretty sure something's supposed to be happening. Um, because we're used to so much energy going on on Christmas Day for there to be peace on earth. You don't know what to do with yourself. And we even caught ourselves feeling down. Like something's supposed to be happening and it's not. And then I, I have to go keep going back to my notes. And he had to keep reminding me, I am here. Don't miss the point of all this energy, John. <laughs> It's not on, it, what, what if the kids didn't come this year for Christmas? What if things, what if you didn't get the present you really wanted for Christmas? Which, by the way, did everybody get what they wanted? Okay. See, some of you, some of you are upset right now. We'll have prayer in a few moments. But, <clears throat> but here, here's the reality. 
It's not about all that stuff, is it? So when we talk this morning about hope is here, I'm really hoping that it, it takes us in a direction of where we know we could be in Christ. And that's going to be a journey, which I, I also want to say real quick. Um, man, we went caroling last week. And it was the coldest night of the week, I believe. It was the first night I've been standing outside and couldn't feel my legs in a long time. But now here's, here's the thing. We went to several houses. We split up. We had enough people that came that we split up into three different groups and went all over the area to a lot of the families in the church who aren't able to always get out and be here. And I'm telling you, we had a blast. I had just a wonderful time. And if you were part of those groups, God bless you. Thank you. And I've not talked to a group yet that didn't have a blast. But, but listen, um, we might have to change up the, the playlist a little bit, but it's, that's not a bad thing, sharing joy and love. We don't have to do it just once a year, just change the song list, you know, or maybe bring people Christmas in July, I don't know, but the, the bottom line is we went out and gave of ourselves, just like many of you brought food, and, and we fed families, the five families that we committed to the, in this neighborhood, but also with other food that was able to go to the Buffalo house. Listen, it's, it's just important that we understand it's, it's so much more about giving than getting. So what is it that I want to make sure that we don't miss with hope having arrived? In the first chapter of John, if you want to turn there, and the scripture's right on the screen with us, but <clears throat> and I, I'm just going to go a couple of scriptures at a time here because I, I want to just really focus in on a few aspects of first John, uh, John chapter 1. And many of you know this passage well. Many of you really are, are going to get ahead of me on this passage if you're not careful. And it's not that we're changing the context as much as it is not missing the real meaning. See, John is writing uh, to a large audience. And as we'll discover here in a moment, um, it's very intentional. We know that Matthew is speaking predominantly to the, Greek, uh, to the Jews, and, and Luke speaks predominantly to the Greeks. Mark speaks predominantly to the Romans, and it's all in how it's written and how it's broken down. But, but John specifically is talking to a much larger audience, as we'll see. So let, let's just read this, and we'll get into it. In the beginning was the Word. Would you just say that with me? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. <clears throat> You know, when we, again, when we start this, we realize that, that John is writing, but he doesn't start like Matthew, Mark, or even Luke. Uh, Mark speaks and begins his book with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Matthew begins his with the genealogy, and then the angel comes and visits. Luke begins with the visitation of the angel, and then the wise men. So what, what do we discover? What do we discover about John? John starts in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Now, now first of all, that, that says a couple of things very quickly. <clears throat> if you're a Jew, and at this point, um, the, the church has been scattered. They say that John was probably written 
Uh, some would say A.D. 70, but many would say even after A.D. 70, because A.D. 75 is when uh, Jerusalem was ransacked and temple was destroyed. Jews were scattered. And, you know, that's when the church grew the most. That's when the church always grows the most, is when we get persecuted, when we get scattered, when things aren't going so well. Do you know when the church gets lazy? Things are going good. No problems, no struggles. Everybody agrees with each other. Come on. That's not even a good family reunion. If everybody agrees with each other, you know, how many family fights can break out at that kind of reunion, right? I'm sorry, that's my family. I apologize. But here, here's the reality. John is writing specifically to a group that he knows will be a dispersed church filled with Jews, but he also wants to make sure that the Greeks and all those that will read understand that this Messiah has come to everyone. And the way he does that, it's twofold. He says, in the beginning, so if you're Jewish, that you've got their attention right there, because how does the Torah begin? In the beginning. It's not only how creation was made, but John is telling us how God planned from creation to bring the answer. But then he says, in the beginning was the word, logos. Not word logos, the Jews would understand that and see that, but the Greeks also had a powerful affinity for that word because it meant, that word in itself means the basis of finding the truth, the basis of finding the answer. It's a form of writing. It's a, it's a skill of writing. We know Logos as the spoken word of God. But the Greeks would look at, all right, write this out in a way that I understand it. Write this out in a way that uh, we can argue, we can debate, we can see that it makes sense to me. I want to be able to understand this. Now, I, I've got to be honest with you, we can still have a lot of debates about this, right? And we can still try to get people to understand it, and it seems to be impossible. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But here's what I love about what John is saying. Uh, John is saying to everyone out there, there's a beginning, and I want you to understand this is the answer. He wants to get their attention. He wants to help them understand that in the beginning, the answer was literally being prepared for you. And it's to everyone. The self-giving God links creation to redemption because from the very beginning, he had the answer. And, and he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. <clears throat> this is a Savior who comes for all humankind. Now, that may sound um, obvious to us <clears throat> as Christians, but I just want to step back for a moment and remind you that if we're not careful, we get a little bit uppity about this. And, and God really came for us, but not them. God came for us, but I don't like them. I don't really care for that group. I don't really care. And in, in the Word of God, it's easy to, to see the differences among whether it's the, the Samaritans or the Gentiles, the Jews. But how many times does Paul have to go into great detail throughout his epistles to say there is no more of that. That's why the Jews kept going back to the law to, 
to try to get Christianity mixed in back with the law. And he says, that's not how this grace works. And, and this grace is for every, because we try to get, now we try to get other people to, to believe like we believe, or it's not really Christianity. And what Paul is saying is, listen, the grace of God is not earned, it's not deserved, it's, it's grace. Don't make it what it's not. So even John starting off here by saying it's for everyone. We've got to embrace the fact that when Jesus came, it's not, our, it's not just our little Christmas story. He's here. And, and he's not here for an opinion. You know, that's one thing I love about Jesus. Uh, he never takes an opinion poll. There's, there's not, you'll, you'll never find Jesus walking around. How do you guys feel about me? I understand a lot of people don't like me, and I want to find out why. Because I, I want everybody to love me. You know, that's the other thing that we'll discuss here in a minute. Um, God doesn't love you because you loved him first. He loved you first. He loves you when you were unlovable. He loves you even when you don't love yourself. He loves us. And see, the, the human response is they've got to come to Christ somehow because they need a Savior. But, but John makes it very clear that, that there's no way the human response would be able to go to God, that God came to us. The power and desire to save comes first and foremost from God. The power to get things right doesn't come from us. It comes from God. I'm going to say that a couple more times. The power to get things right in your life doesn't come from you trying harder. Or you would have already been there. It comes from God. Well, pastor, are you just saying that we should not attempt? No. I'm telling you, you need to rely on him. There's a difference between me saying, I'm never, now, you know, first of all, I just want to say this. I thank God none of us here struggle with what I'm about to talk about. But do you know someone that they know they're doing things they shouldn't do, and they keep crossing that line, and every time they cross that line, this is a line, by the way, every time they cross that line, they hurry up and get back, and they're like, Lord, please forgive me. I'll never do that again. And then they depend on their ability never to cross that line again. And, you know, again, it's not you and I, but we know someone <laughs> that before the week's up, there they are again. And then, then they start living in guilt and shame, and they're always upset, and they're bitter, and they're mad at themselves. And, and we once again hear the words of Paul, what are you thinking? You're not saved because you decided how powerful you are to not have to cross that line. Well, Pastor, are you saying it's okay to cross the line? No. I'm not saying it's okay to cross the line. I'm saying because of grace, when you cross the line, uh, you're not kicked out of the kingdom. There's grace. There's grace. And, and that guilt you're feeling is not guilt. It's the Holy Spirit saying, what's up? Come on, let's get this right, man. Let's just keep walking this out. Come on. I want you to think about it this way for a moment, and I'm a little ahead of myself, but we'll catch up in a minute. Think about it this way. God's kingdom has come, and he opened the gates wide. 
and, and standing right in front of the gates, I wish I had a slide for this, standing right in front of the gates of the kingdom open wide is a cross. And Jesus says, if you'll come to the cross and through his blood, you can come into the kingdom. He didn't, he didn't say, as soon as you grow up and as soon as you mature, you can come into the kingdom. But, but see, when we understand that God knew how messed up we were, that he sent his son. If we read on in this passage, it, it eventually will tell us in verse 14, and the word, the logos, who was in the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, why did he do that? Because there needed to be a sacrifice. And God sent his only son to pay the price, but that through that price, you and I could enter into the kingdom. So now get this in your mind. He is here. The kingdom is at hand. You're in the kingdom. But if we're not careful, we still walk around. Oh, I'm just, I just, I'm just no good. You're not. You're not. But if you keep telling yourself that, you're never going to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. And can you imagine, now it may sound, you know, we, we may have to really get some pictures for this. So I, I can only imagine different pictorial kingdoms that are in your mind right now. But, but just imagine whatever that kingdom looks like for you right now. You're in that kingdom and he is here. He has come, but we're still walking around beating ourselves up. Does that make any sense? What if we walked into the new year and instead of having a long list of things we, we want to get right in our lives. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But since you're already going to be done with most of them by day four, or they'll be done with you, one of the two, um, what, what if instead of saying, this year, I'm going to get this right. I'm only going to do it twice this year. What, what if this year we just focused on, God, I want to be like you. And I just want to walk that out every day. But, John, you got to write that stuff down. Okay, coach, we'll write that stuff down. It's talking about, well, now we're talking about being a disciple, holding each other accountable, getting into a grace group. This isn't a commercial, it's life. And you're still, why? Because now the next time I do this, not only is the Holy Spirit going to say, come on, John, now I've got a brother around me that says, you all right? What's going on? Talk to me, man. And I, I can talk to him. Well, I don't want people getting in my business. Well, <clears throat> he is here. He's going to get in your business. He is, he is here. He has come. Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work in all of our lives, not to condemn us. The Word of God tells us Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that through, the, through Jesus Christ, the world might be saved. That's why sometimes I talk to people so many times, and they're like, man, sometimes when you preach, I just get so guilty. That's not guilt. I'm not trying to preach anybody into guilt, but just simply the word of God will make you think, wow, something's got to change. And see, the, the reason we struggle with this issue of Jesus coming to us, we want to be more comfortable about us searching for him. And when we get him to make sense to us, then we'll accept him. But here's what I've discovered about those kind of truth seekers. They're seeking the God that fits where they are. God is seeking you no matter where you are. 
See, we, we want to seek God and we want to get him to fit into our box, into our comfort. So we, we're really, if, if, if we get the God we want, we can expand those boundaries a little bit. And whatever those boundaries are for you, make a sense. On the flip side, what does it look like when I say, God, here I am, because he came to me, and I say, yes, Lord, I'll come into the kingdom. Now, when you come into the kingdom, I'm going to mess some of you up politically, okay, because it's not the kingdom of America. Okay, please understand what I'm saying right now. Uh, There used to be a time, and there still are many countries who operate like this, if you go to their country, you're doing what they tell you to do. You know, that's almost what I enjoy about being an American traveling around the world. Nobody cares that you're an American. Because you go to other countries, you can't go to another country and say, I have a right for, just try it. Try it. And if you even throw down with, don't you know who I am? We might be doing your funeral. Now, what has this got to do with the kingdom of God, pastor? You're messing me up. Here's what this has got to do with the kingdom of God. Um, it's not a pluralistic society. The kingdom of God has no suggestion boxes. The kingdom of God is about coming in and following the king. It's not about trying to get your way in the kingdom. It's following. Now, listen, that's what a kingdom is. A king is a king. He's got his rules. He's got his way of dealing with things. He gives it to us right in his word, but it's not about how perfect you are. It's about his grace and how he gives himself. He gives himself. He searches us out. Why? Because he wants us to be a part of his kingdom. He's not trying to kidnap you. He's trying to woo you. He's not trying to force you. He's trying to show you what a better place his kingdom is. Pastor John, you got all of that out of those first two verses? No, I just got ahead of myself, that's all. Let's continue to read, starting at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from John whose name was John, sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. They were not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, what is he saying there? When God comes to us, he brings light. Why? Because he is light. In the world, the word says that, and the darkness could not comprehend it. That word comprehend does not just mean the darkness could not understand it. It means the darkness could not overtake it. It means the darkness could not decide, well, here comes the light. Let's get darker. That's never how it works. When a light shows up in the darkest room, darkness has just been dispelled. It may be a small light, but the bigger that light gets, 
you can't bring in more darkness. Hello? So when this light shows up, and John the Baptist wasn't the light. He came just to testify the light of the light so people would believe in the light. But there's some who, even when the light's in the room, can't see it. Now, we're not going to get uh, off base here with how many uh, things that are out there that keep us distracted from seeing the light. But I, I want to encourage you this morning that the light has come. He is here. And the light, as dark as the world looks around us, that's why, and I have to fight this too, believe me. When, when I think about how that the world around us is constantly letting us know all the negative things, all the things that are going to happen, all the bad things, the number of people who are sick, the number of people who have died, the number of children, the number of this, the number of that, it seems hopeless, doesn't it? But see, hope has come. Jesus has come. Instead of us looking at all the things around us that seem dark, I wonder what it would be like for us to put our eyes on the light. I'm, I'm just preaching truth right now when I tell you this. If you stay in the Word of God and you stay focused on the Word, your dark days will be gone. I'm serious. And people will wonder, how? why do you always have... You'll get on people's nerves just because you have a positive attitude. You won't be negative like them, and you'll get on their nerves. And when you, and when you confront them, hey, you know, you're always so negative. I'm just trying to vent. It's a prayer request. You know, I, I just need a good prayer circle. No, you just need to get in a circle of light. There's light. And he has come. The, the, our, our dark world, and is our world dark? Yes. But, but not only is he the light, who does Jesus say is the light in the New Testament? We are the light. The light is in us, right? And see, we can only receive this gift. You cannot earn it. We cannot comprehend it. We cannot find ourselves. Uh, we, we find ourselves searching for it occasionally. But usually when I'm searching for, God, I'm, I need more of God, I need more of God, that's when I'm trying to earn it again. That's when I'm trying to make up and let God know, I'm really serious this time, Lord. I'm going to do better. And I wonder sometimes how many times God just lovingly looks back at us and says, man, he just doesn't get it yet. She just doesn't get it yet. I don't love him because he's good. I love him because of Jesus. I don't love him because he's perfect. I love him because, and the, the Bible tells us, John tells us, now we have a right to be called sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. So I, I have to embrace the fact that hope is here. That's what Jesus has done. See, not only just for a month or a season, but he is here. Hope has come. And it's in our lives every day. You know what I want for, for 2022? We're starting a series, not, not next Sunday, but the second week in January. We're starting a series and starting in, in Acts chapter 1. Boom. Now, why? Well, it just hit me a, a few months ago. Especially, you know, the, everybody's coming out of COVID. You know, 
then you listen to whatever channel you listen to. We're either coming out, going in, or still there, right? Um, but the, the reality is, I keep hearing, what should the church look like? What should the church be doing? Well, I thought, well, I think the good, best book in the Bible to, to study maybe is the book of Acts. Because it's all written about what the church did, what the apostles did, how they acted, how they lived life out. What if we just lived the word? So we're starting that because I want us to not just live on we're going to celebrate Christmas because Jesus came as a baby, and then we're going to celebrate Easter because Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, and then we're going to celebrate um, Pentecost Sunday because we're filled with the Spirit, and then we're going to celebrate... See, we can just go around celebrating and miss the point all the time. And then we'll just be constantly up and down on celebration. Now, I'm not against celebration. Please. I'm not against celebrating. But if we celebrate without really taking hold of who we're celebrating, we're missing the point. It's, it's just, that, that may sound silly to some of you, but it is as silly as this. If every time we celebrate, we give you the gift of a flashlight, but all you do is go to the next celebration with a bag full of flashlights, you're still walking in darkness. We want to teach you how to unwrap things. We, we want to teach you how to start putting power and allowing the power of the Holy Spirit that, that you can walk, but you're going to need his light to guide you. What it looks like to follow after Christ. And this is simple terms for discipleship, I know. But listen, it's more about the world is looking for people who are walking this out, not talking about it. And I'd rather us be in trouble for walking than not be in anything for talking. That was good. You're just not acting like it. I just. So here's, here's how I want us to close. What does this look like if Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us? We know that he was crucified. We know that he rose. We know that he ascended. We anticipate his coming. But what does life look like between now and then? Is it just another celebration? If life doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out, Ingrid, if you'll please come. It's like the, that movie that we've probably all seen too many times, The Grinch. And on that beautiful Christmas morning when all the Who's and Who'sville woke up and all the gifts were gone and all the trees were gone and all the refrigerators were empty and he was waiting for the cry. They all got together and began to sing. And, and, and here's what he said. He said, what if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? What if Jesus' coming isn't simply a story? What if he's here? And if Jesus is here, what does my life look like? It's not about guilt. See, I, I'm, I'm telling you, being raised in the heritage that I was raised in, whenever someone said, Jesus is here, the initial response from most young people were, because you knew you had been doing something bad that week. And, and what you were afraid of is that Jesus was going to show up and deal with stuff. That day's coming. 
But right now when Jesus shows up, when Jesus is here, he's not saying, man, you guys are in worse shape than I thought. No, he's saying, you are why I came. Follow me. What will your life look like when you're following me? When you start moving forward, what does life look like? I heard a minister literally this morning driving here uh, this morning on the radio. And listen, my wife can tell you, if there's one thing I really don't do ever in the car is listen to the radio. I don't even listen. I don't like listening to music. I just like driving because you never know when you're going to have to run somebody off the road. I mean, you never know when you might, right? You know I'm just kidding, right? <clears throat> but this morning I just was driving here and I thought, you know, I've been so used to hearing Christmas carols. I just want to listen to a few Christmas carols. And as soon as I turned the radio on, there was a preacher. I'm not even sure who it was. But he was talking about when the, the Israelites had the opportunity to go into the promised land. And the, the two differences were God told Moses to tell them to go. But Moses told the children, go and decide. Now, can you hear the difference there? God said, go. Man always wants to say, decide. And see, usually when I say, well, we got to make a decision, we're always going to lean toward our strength, which the children of Israel said, we can't. Can't do it. Tried it. We, we just don't want to take a chance. A lot of good fruit, a lot of great things, land flowing with milk and honey, but no. I wonder how many times, and just as I was driving to church, I said, Lord, please forgive me. I wonder how many times you've said go, and I've said decide. I, I want us to move into this new year knowing that hope is here. Jesus has come. He still saves. The Holy Spirit is still at work in our lives in powerful ways. So it's not really a, a moment for us to decide as much as it is to obey. Follow me. Follow me. The Word became flesh. Now, He's no longer here in the flesh, but I tell you where the Holy Spirit is, it's in you. And what He desires for us to do in this new year is to become God in the flesh at work, at home, at school, wherever we are. It's not that we become gods, it's we become light. And it's amazing what happens when people's eyes start opening up. Let's all stand. <clears throat> this last week as we were caroling, Sort of felt guilty for a few minutes um, at different houses because people would answer the door and and literally you know they were you know 20 seconds ago watching tv in their t-shirt and shorts and then they open their door on the coldest night of the year and they're standing out on their porch and we're like sigh and you're like all right do we hurry up and get through a silent night so, because I don't want to be the reason they pass away. Do we sing joy to the world just because we're singing joy to the world? Or 
or is it? But, you know, to every one of them would have stayed out there for two more songs. Why? Because it was the message. It was the whole idea. First of all, it's the whole idea that someone would even come stand in your front yard and sing the message. But, but it just hit me. These people, they may be freezing, but on the inside, they're warm. It's a heart change. See, all, all, is God, all God is looking for when he says hope is here, he's just looking for people who aren't perfect. He knows where you are. He, he knows if we're not perfect. It's not about making anybody feel guilty. It's about meeting us where we are. Amen. So I want us to pray in just a moment, but I want us to sing this song one more time. Emmanuel. God is with us. Revealed in us. Can we do that? His name is called Emmanuel. Let's all sing it together. as we come to you this morning first we acknowledge that hope has come you are here father you became flesh and dwelt among us and Lord Jesus you have ascended but you have sent the comforter and Holy Spirit even you here are working even now Lord, reveal yourself in us. But oftentimes, God, when you reveal yourself in us, much is revealed about us. Lord, you have not come to condemn, but to save. You've not come, Lord, to, to deconstruct, but restore. You've not come to to rip apart, but to heal. So, Lord, even now as we proclaim that you are here, as we realize that you truly are present, we obey. Lord, we, we do not come to you. You came to us. So, Father, I pray that Lord, as we leave this service today, it's not about just leaving another service. Let your word work in us and through us. Let us be thinking throughout this week, how will my life look in God's kingdom? How should my life look living this out on a daily basis? Not out of conviction, not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of surrender.
Why? Because you really have come. Hope really is here. Now, Lord, we give you praise. I thank you. Lord, I, I pray that you bless our family, this church family. Lord, bless families all over this area. Lord, bless every place that we go this week. Lord, as families are traveling, I pray, God, that you would bless them and strengthen them. Every conversation, season it with love, season it with grace. But more importantly, Lord, let, let your light shine through us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. I pray that your Christmas continue and that as we move into this next year, move powerfully. And please, next Sunday at 9 o'clock, join us for prayer. We pray until from 9 to 9.30, and then uh, we'll go to the cafe, have some great fellowship, and begin worship at 10. Amen. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.